630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Now it's McDavid and Drysaddle starting up ice. Drysaddle with Hall back. He centers tipped home. Connor McDavid wins the game for Edmonton. Four, three, in overtime. Great game tonight at Rogers Place. Connor McDavid scores the winner earlier. He scored one for the memory banks. 4-3 Oilers over the Leafs is the final. Edmonton bumping its record up to 4-6 and six on the year. The Maple Leafs now 7-2-1. Really entertaining game. Some great goals. Some momentum swings. Some incredible saves. And Edmonton able to score the victory. It's 8-0-8. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Man, oh man, what a contest. So much to talk about. And it ends with... I think we have to call the most deadliest, the deadliest duo in three-on-three overtime history, certainly. Drysaddle and McDavid combining for the winner. Well, I was texting with my buddies just as they were about to take the opening face-off, and I said, uh-oh, Leafs messed up. They didn't put two defensemen out there, and then they have Tavares on the ice. So, I mean, two mistakes right there if you're going against Leon and Connor. There, there's not a forward in the league that can play defensively against Leon or Connor. And once they got control of the puck, it was going to be over, and that's what happened on the play. Uh, you knew that Connor wanted to have a big game today. You just did after what happened the other night, the Maple Leaf Stars having a big night. Connor is uh, all superstars. When they're on a center stage, they want to make sure that they... Uh, have special moments, special nights. And tonight he did. He had the special moment early in the game on the power play and then finished it off in style. So uh, this was a much-needed victory for the Edmonton Oilers. And it was on the back of, well, two usual suspects on Leon and Connor and an unusual one in Miko Koskin, who this is the first time in in a long time where I could say the Oilers were the benefit factors of a great goaltending performance, a great save that allowed them to get the two points. Yeah, and Koskinen, first of all, did make some other yep. good saves in the game. I mean, early in the second period, the Oilers are up 2-1. He stops Marner and Hyman when the Leafs were pressuring the Oilers, and I think Edmonton was fatigued on that shift. Both guys all alone in front, two seconds apart. Koskinen stops them both. He stopped Nylander in overtime. Mm-hmm. I mean, not not a breakaway, but most shots in overtime are relatively uncontested yeah. and relatively close to the net, so he turned that away. But the the save with 10.50 left in the third period. The Leafs are on the power play. They'd scored on three consecutive power plays. Two in the third period on Thursday. Already had one in the second period tonight. It's a tie game. And watching that up here, I see the puck go land on Marner's stick. And on a play where the Oilers... We're going to clear it, and and that wasn't a bad clear on the no, Oilers. Really that, was a, good. that was a great play by yes. Marner to knock it out of the air and keep it in. And, and then the rebound gets to his stick, and I'm thinking, oh, too bad. That's a goal. And then Koskin out of nowhere makes the save. Well, it, it, yeah, a fantastic play by Marner. He knocks it, and it's one of those I had to watch two or three times afterwards to make sure that it wasn't a high stick, and it wasn't. So the goal would have counted if had Marner scored. So he, he makes that great play, and then it was a tic-tac-toe play. He gives it to Matthews, and again, Matthews, a smart little play. Gets the defenseman down, gets the goalie down, and goes back door to, to Marner, and Marner got wood on it. Just like we'll talk about it later, Archibald, on his chance, they both got the the shot they wanted. 
and sometimes you're unlucky and sometimes a goalie just comes up with a better save than the shot and on that one right there again I believe if that goes in the net the game is probably over I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are a team that's shown that they can win the one goal games when they have a lead late in a the game uh, they would have had all momentum and, and it would have been one of those sagging moments for the the Oilers giving up another power play goal their penalty killing failing again but that was a save and again I, I said they needed a moment at some time at some point from Koskinen. Last game, we talked about it. If the Oilers get in the third period, the Leafs are going to get a power player too. The Oilers got to get a good kill. They need a big save. They got neither. Tonight, they got the big kill with the huge save, and Koskinen gave them, I think, his best start, not only of this year, but in the uh, might be his best start in the last year and a half. That was a quality start against a great team, and the Oilers got a much-needed two points. 4-3 Edmonton takes it, and, and credit to Freddie Anderson as well. I mean, this was this was such a good game. I, I mean, sure, there were, were, were mistakes, but but a, most of the plays we're, we're remembering are the result of excellence as, as opposed to blunders. And the Leafs had a little bit of pressure in the Oilers' end in the last 20 seconds, turned it over up high, Oilers streak down the ice, and Nugent Hopkins sets up Archibald. And again, that's just like the Martyr one. As soon as it's on Archibald's stick, I'm thinking game over. And and Anderson, what a stop. It was. And again, uh, there's there's times where you see a player shake his head afterwards because he's mad he didn't get the shot he wanted. And we've seen it a number of times where it comes to say, whether it rolls, you didn't put it where you wanted, but he put it exactly where he needed to do. He, he got it off the ice. It's above the pads. It's in the middle of the net. Everything was the right thing. The only thing he wasn't able to, you're not able to one-time that because it's coming across his body, which gives the goalie that much more time. But the one thing that we saw with Freddie Anderson tonight a couple times, and we, we heard it a couple of years ago when Jonathan Quick talked about it, is reading the play. Anderson knew that Archibald was there. Anderson read the fact that Nugent Hopkins was probably going to make that pass, so he knew he anticipated the move across. Having said that, Archibald, who I thought had an excellent game tonight, uh, put the puck where he needed it to be put, but just like Koskinen was a little bit better than Marner, on that one, Freddie Anderson was a little bit better than Archibald. So the Oilers take it 4-3 in overtime. That means a $400 donation to Santa's Anonymous, courtesy James H. Brown and Associates, serious injury lawyers. They're giving 100 bucks for every Oilers goal throughout the season. So we thank them for that and the fine folks at Santa's Anonymous. Very pleased to hear that from James H. Brown and Associates. And earlier in the game, it's... Already a goal of the year candidate, two and a half weeks into the season. Let's hear it. Jack calling McDavid's rush in the second period. David skates through the middle of the ice. Hits the red line. Now the Toronto Blue right around Musa to the net. Rich shot score. Coast to coast. Connor McDavid. An absolute thing of beauty. 3-1. There is no adequate defense. Well, an astounding goal. I, I actually almost fell over when he scored it. And the rush itself was incredibly impressive, and we know how he can crank it up. And then he gets around Muzzin, and having already seen it over again 12 or 15 times, he momentarily, I'm not going to say lost control of the puck, but he didn't have it exactly where he wanted because he had to reach up and pull it back and then shoot it because it drifted just a little f too far ahead of him once he got around Muzzin. Just an amazing goal. Which probably benefits him 
because now the, the goaltender's reading, it's a little, he's got it, so now the goalie hesitates a bit, and then he pulls it back, and it's kind of like Datsuki used to always score the goals where he pulls it back and just flips it over the goalie because the goalie has no chance. That'll be one of the, the tomorrow, or Tyson Berry, I'm not sure if he's got kids. If he's got kids, he'll tell his kids or he'll tell his his parents where he say, yeah, I, I set up the goal of the year last night like <laughs> as he dropped the puck and made Connor go get it and then Connor went in then uh it, Tyson Berry it, make, making fun of that but Tyson Berry actually made the play that allowed Connor to pull up get the speed he picked a little bit he picked Hyman at the Oilers blue line when he did that because Hyman's job is to push McDavid one side or the other because if he pushes him to one side now the defenseman or the defensive players only have to worry from the middle of the ice over so it's a lot less room. So now Connor can only go so so far. But when Hyman wasn't able to get in the way, now Connor McDavid came right down the middle. Now the three blue, the three uh, Maple Leafs are standing on the blue line. None of them knows where he's going. They're all standing still. And Muzzin, who's a very good defensive defenseman, uh, is caught flat-footed. And uh, you could have great gap control on Connor McDavid and he can make you look silly but if you're standing still with no gap control you have no he had no chance like and Connor McDavid read that as soon as he got past time and he knew okay I'm going end end and the only chance Toronto had is if one of them could tip the puck they were unable to Freddie Anderson wasn't able to make the the save and the play I mean the place would have been buzzing <laughs> and that, that's the only bad thing right now yeah. is this the, 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 the crowd in here would have been oh this nuts. would have been uh, against the Leafs especially and this is where you lose a little bit of the home ice advantage. Because if that goal was scored here in Edmonton with a full crowd, the crowd would have been buzzing for 15, 20 minutes, and a team would feed off of that. Instead, when Connor turns to the crowd, he sees empty chairs and and ads. (laughs) And and the only sound is the pretend sound that they put on the the speakers in here. So it's, uh, it's unfortunate that more people weren't here to see live one of the prettiest goals you'll see all year. Oilers win it 4-3 in overtime. McDavid with two. Cahoon and Archibald also scored. Whenever the Oilers get to five in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com, presented by Japanese Village Restaurants, now offering takeouts. Uh, now offering takeout. Please visit jvedmonton.ca for details. Well, I guess if you get multiple things, it's takeouts. <laughs> Josh Archibald, I, I, a good game from him. I mean, we saw him be a pretty consistent performer last year, had the chance late in the game, scored scored a goal. And it was interesting watching Tippett use the McDavid-Nugent-Hopkins line because it was mostly Pugliarvi, but it was a Till little late, bit of Archibald yeah. and even a little bit of uh, casting yep. on one or two shifts. Well, I... I... I, I, I'd love, and, and we've talked about it a lot, I've loved the compete that Yessi has brought this year. I love the battle, the body language. All of those things have been much better than it has been in the past. And, and he moved up in the lineup because of that and because of a lack of production out of Cassian. Uh, in this, the one part of Jesse's game they still has to learn is how to read plays and understand the game. And I think when you got late in the game, the importance of it, uh, the fact that it was tied, that Dave Tippett thought, you know what? We're going to make sure that there's not going to be a mistake made. And he was protecting the team and probably protecting Yessi by putting out players with a little more veteran experience that they knew could play both ends a little smarter and players that were playing well. Archibald was playing well. And so to me, that was, I don't know if that's going to be a change. It's going to be 
permanent or are going to be changed tomorrow. But yeah, in big moments tonight, Jesse Pugliarvi was not on Connor's line. Archibald moved up there deservedly and had an opportunity late in the game to be a hero. But he just... He just decided to, to allow Connor to make a little more magic in overtime. <laughs> That's our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com slash hockey. 780-496-0063 is how you can reach us. We will welcome Arnie to Overtime Open Line this evening. Arnie, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hey, Arnie, do we have you? All right. Well, we might not have him. That's okay. Angie, do we have Dave Tippett standing by? Yeah, I can roll him live. Awesome. Let's go to Dave Tippett for Mattress Superstore. Give them five minutes, and they'll give you the best sleep of your life. Take the Sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress. Dave Tippett, Hands Media, Tony Brar, Oilers TV. Dave, it seemed like from the drop of the puck, your team played with a sense of urgency all night. Can you just talk, uh, speak about what you saw out of your club in the victory? Yeah, I thought it was a good hockey game. The only thing that hockey game was missing was fans. Would have made it a great game. So, it, uh, you know, the star players were in full force, and I thought both teams competed hard. And uh, we got a couple of good saves from Koski, and we were able to capitalize in overtime. Just wanted to maybe speak on Costin and that one save he had on Marner late in the hockey game. How yeah. pivotal was that save for you guys? Well, those are big saves that you need. You just you need one or two of those a game just to keep the game moving in, in the right in your favor or, or keep it even. So it was a huge save by him. I thought Anderson made some big saves for them. So uh, it was an entertaining hockey game that way. Derek Van Dees, Post Media. Hey Dave, yeah, just on that point, you, you, these games have been close, but you have needed that big save and you needed that big goal. And did you get a sense that you got them tonight and that was the difference in hockey? That's exactly what it was. It just the, like every game against Toronto has been a real competitive game. There's, uh, you know, it's a bounce here or there or, or a save here or there or, or you know, a, uh, capitalizing on a chance here or there. So they've, they've, they've all been really good hockey games, but, you know, we've, we, we, uh, it's two and two in the four games, even though they got a point. But it's uh, they're entertaining hockey games. Both teams are playing hard, and it comes down to one or you know a play here or there that dictates the outcome. Mark Spector, Sportsnet. I know your your focus going into the season was trying to give up less, but you've also played against some really dynamic teams. The Leafs are scoring a ton. Montreal is really obviously very good. Uh, do you feel like that goal is, is, are you getting anywhere on that goal? Are, are you, I know you're letting a lot of goals in, but you're playing good team. Yeah. You know, there's a couple things there. We've, it seems like we've had some bad goals going against us or bad bounces. You know, our, our PK is, was taken on water a little bit, but there's, I mean, there's the two games against, uh, one against Winnipeg, one against Toronto. They scored goals that they didn't even shoot in the net, you know. So they, you got to get by some of that stuff a little bit. But there's there's some things that we can do better to defend. I think there's some some goals that Koski would like to have back. So you're working that direction. I mean, it's it's uh, you got to you got to give up less to you got to give up less chances to 
get your goals against down and we have you know there's been some games I thought we've defended very well and uh, and other games we've been a little uh, a little loose so we got to keep pounding away at it but the goals against like everybody's talking about uh, forward lines this and that it's it's the goals against has to come down you, you have to limit the chances against and, and the goals against has to come down if we're going to put a push on uh, I hate to ask you this, but I gotta ask you this: Who plays goal tomorrow night? You know what? I got a while before that, so I'm gonna think about it tonight, and then we'll get in get in the morning, and we'll see how everybody is. You, Ryan Rashog, TSN. Uh, just on Connor's goal there, um, I think everybody kind of knows what the play is, yet he still finds a way to, to continue to produce off that one. You know, of all those skills working together at once, what impresses you the most on that play? Well, it's what impresses you the most about Connor when he does that is the speed that he carries the puck. And a lot of there's a lot of fast players, but to do it carrying the puck and have control of the puck, that's what that's what makes it so dangerous. It's just he's coming. He's I mean, he's as faster or faster than anybody in the league, and he's. I would dare to say he's the fastest guy by a wide margin carrying the puck. And that's just, it's hard to defend. You, you enter that third period tied up against a, you know, a good team that's scoring goals. Uh, and it's sort of that period where you need to buckle down. What, what did you like and what did you see in the details in that third period? Well, there's a couple things. We got some couple big saves that we needed. We, uh, you know, we were pretty sound in what we were doing. It's, uh, you know, we needed one of those games to go in our favor. We felt like we've been around it, but there's been a, a mistake here or there or, uh, or just finding ways to lose rather than finding ways to win. And tonight we hung in there and kind of went shift by shift and we found a way to win in the end. So hopefully that's a step in the right direction. Last one for me here, real quick, here. just on the power play, the evolution of it. Um, you've given it a few different looks, but you're back to where you started, and it's yeah. producing. Well, what have you noticed, and maybe just talk about the evolution of it so far. Well, it's still a work in progress. I think we're still got to, you know, we've got some different looks that we're trying uh, this year that some have been successful, some haven't. But, uh, you know, early in the year when, you know, we felt like it was doing all right, but uh, but we weren't capitalizing on our chances. So we've capitalized on some chances. I mean, Connor's goal tonight is a great individual effort or whatever. But, um, you know, it's still we're still working at it. We got, we've got to keep uh, pounding away here. Quinn Phillips, Global. Uh, just again on Connor, um, you know, obviously the Leafs did a really good job checking him the other night. Then he comes back with three tonight. Are these mini series really good for him? Because he tends to do a really good job at adjusting, and now he gets to come back and do it right away. Yeah, I mean, he he creates chances every game. Some nights they go in, and, and the people he passed to go, the puck goes in for that. So. He's, uh, you know, there's nights that he doesn't get points, but it's not from the lack of creating chances. Some nights they go in and some nights they don't. So it's, uh, you know, he didn't, he doesn't make a lot of adjustments. I think he plays that way all the time, but sometimes the results are better than others. Jim Matheson, Post Media. Uh, Ethan Bear got got hurt in the third grade. Can you give us an update there? Yeah, uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't uh, been in there to see yet, so we'll see in the morning. Uh, and the play of Tyson Berry, who stepped in and double shifted in the third grade. Yeah, it's Tyson's best game by far. You know, he uh, 
He's, he's getting more comfortable. He's getting, you know, understanding what we're trying to do, what the expectations of him are. And, uh, you know, I thought the last couple of games he's moving in the right direction. So tonight with the little extra ice time that he got when Bear was out, I thought he did a really good job. Thank you. Tony Brar, Oilers TV. Dave Dominic, who also gets his first as an order. What did you see from him tonight? He's quick. He's a smart player. Him and Leon have played well together. It's good to see him get on the board because he's had some chances. They were kind of around it last game and didn't capitalize, so it's good to see him uh, get on the board. Hopefully, he'll, uh, you know, that when you get that first one behind you, it seems like everything kind of loosens up, so hopefully that's the case with him. Thank you. Jason Greger, TSN 1260. They really saw a performance by your team. You know, Miko Koska made some big saves when you needed it. Uh, you know, the division's really tight. You got Ottawa tomorrow. I know back-to-back -back usually you'll go away from a goalie, but what's your thoughts right now on Miko going back-to-back? -back? Uh, we're going to talk about it tonight, and we'll make that decision in the morning. What goes into that decision, right? Is it just rest? No, just you're trying to figure out what's the best for your team to win. Any other questions, media? Thank you. This concludes Dave Tippett's media availability. That is Oilers head coach Dave Tippett as they beat the Leafs in a great game at Rogers Place 4-3 in overtime. He said Tyson Berry's best game of the season. He gets two assists, minus one, played 22-46, five shots on goal. Thought Berry was good tonight. I would think Miko Koskinen plays again tomorrow. Troy Grosnick has had exactly one practice in the last and 12 or 13 days. And zero games in the last yeah. 10 and a half months. Now, I, I, I'd be surprised if it's not Koskinen. I think Koskinen's going to play tomorrow. I think he's going to play again on Tuesday. And then he's going to have three full days off because yeah. they play Tuesday, then Saturday. And then he's going to play, play Saturday. Saturday. And then maybe and then, maybe the back-to-back -back in Ottawa, that's Grosnick when, or maybe Smith's healthy. Yes. So I, I, I keep going with Koskinen. I mean, the first thing you talk to Koskinen, if he's, are you tired? If, if he says, no, I'm not he's tired. He's not going to say he's tired. No, but you can tell by a, you can tell when a guy's like really adamant I'm not tired or he's yeah no I'm not tired. <laughs> so I I expect he would play and uh, I mean the the other thing that we're going to talk about too is is the fact that Ethan Bear did leave the game tonight and uh, that is your first pairing defenseman that's out and hopefully for nothing too substantial. But now there will be decisions have to be made if he doesn't play again tomorrow. And uh, I know that there's a lot of people who have been clamoring for Bouchard, but I don't know if he's first on the pecking order coming in. It might, To me, you, you still have Chris Russell. And my guess, if Bouchard doesn't play tomorrow, that Chris Russell will be the guy that would go in first. I mean, we'll find out in about 24 hours or 20 hours, but there probably will be a change on the back end for tomorrow night's game against Ottawa since Bear didn't finish the game. Oilers win 4-3 in overtime. We have more post-game reaction. Reaction from you coming up as well. Heartland Ford, overtime open line on 630 Shed. Matthews, Marner, and Hyman with a puck left half horse. A drop-off, Letnin sends it down low. Matthews at front, Marner, shot denied. Rebound, another save, Koskinen, as he robbed first Marner and then Hyman from point-blank in the slot by far. His best work tonight preserves the 2-1 Edmonton lead.
Yeah, Koskinen, good. He would do better work than that in the third period. Some great saves by Koskinen, some great saves by Freddie Anderson, some great goals both ways, including the McDavid epic in the second period. And the Oilers win 4-3 in overtime to improve to 4-6 and six on the season. The Leafs, very good record. They are 7-2-1. and 780-496-0063. We will welcome Arnie to the show. Hey, Arnie, go ahead. Oh, how are you? Good. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I really want to say that uh, Connor McDavid really his best goal was was uh, it was a fantastic. But but his the best play was when when he was behind the net. Everyone was looking um, on the uh, Archibald goal. Mm-hmm. You know, every everyone moved. Around for for a, um, a wraparound goal, and then he he shot it back, and and, and if he if he had, had left it on the ice, it would have hit the net. But he flipped it a little bit over the net, hit the webbing, without out in front to Archibald, and Archibald scored. What a fantastic goal! I mean, that was ridiculous. Yeah, no, Connor's been trying that probably about six or seven times this year. They haven't had the success. The guys haven't been able to put the puck in the net for him. But it's a nice play because the goaltender is reading that Connor's going to continue to come around the net, and he's reading one side, and Connor knows that. And it's up to the forwards on the Oilers to read, read the play as well. Archibald did. He He's seen that play a number of times while sitting on the bench. It was finally his chance to get the opportunity and he beat his defenseman to the the net and connor it's not an easy pass and he's got he had the net to to contend with but he put it right on the the sweet spot of the stick of josh archibald and he made no mistake so it, it was a good night a really good night for connor mcdavid i'm sure he wanted to send a message to the toronto maple leafs and to fans back in ontario uh that uh maybe the the last game when the leafs had their big guys going that Connor's like all right that was good now now you're going to see what I can do and tonight he did it I mean I know that when you play in your hometown it's special and I I had a number of times I played in Edmonton my best games were always in front of my family and friends and I'm sure Connor McDavid wanted to have a big night and it's funny because the two best goals he's probably scored in the last couple of years are the two goals that he scored against the Toronto Maple Leafs so he he waits great ones have special moments and big moments Connor McDavid had a couple of those moments tonight. Well, and I'm glad Arnie brought that up because that was a pass most players didn't make, and we're <laughs> we hadn't even talked about it yet because of the two goals that he, that he scored. So yeah, McDavid was uh, spectacular tonight. I mean, re- like I said, really a lot of players on both teams were 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 very good tonight. And it was and a great it was it, a great it, hockey it was, game. It was a great game. And like I said earlier, sure there were mistakes, but most of the plays were big plays where somebody made a play as opposed to oh well this team turned the puck over so I just tapped it into the, their net. And and the one thing that was talked about before the season started was there was going to be a very competitive balance in the Canadian division. Uh, a, a lot of people, most people, picked the Maple Leafs to be the best team and the rest of the division would be bunched close with Ottawa trailing behind. The Oilers now have played four games against Toronto. They've won two of those games. All the games have been close. And what I've seen from the Maple Leafs, they are very similar to the Oilers. And I know that Oilers fans get down on their team with the big mistakes and, and, and the misreads and the, the turnovers. The Toronto Maple Leafs tonight had more turnovers and more big mistakes than the Edmonton Oilers did. Toronto 
they are top heavy like the others. They got two very good lines. Losing Thornton hurts them a little bit, so the third line is good, but it's not as good as it could have been if you could move someone down because Thornton's in the lineup, and their fourth line doesn't play at all. So it's very similar to the Oilers. They got a very good defenseman in Riley, but then the rest of the defense is is okay. Well, Muzzin, I think he's, Muzzin. he's good. Muzzin and Brody I are mean, good. M- yeah, Muzzin's the guy that got walked. But he's, I think, <laughs> he's a good player. He is. He is. But they they make a lot of mistakes. Like to me, there were more turnovers in the Toronto Maple Leafs end by the Maple Leafs than we've seen in any game that we've seen this year if by an opposition team. They, I don't know if they were sloppy, they were loose. Uh, but I, what I'm trying to say on this one is, is, is the Oilers' record was not good. But they are close. It's very close. A bounce here, a bounce there, a good penalty kill, and they've got a much better record. And now they've got two games against a team that they should win. They should be 6-6 six and six by Tuesday, and then they get three full days off. And they get practice days before they start going with their next little stretch of hockey games. So uh, for all the... The people that were worried and uh, jumping off the bandwagon. Well, they should still be worried because they haven't beat Ottawa nope. yet. They still have to <laughs> No, I agree. But there is hope. This <laughs> team is not as this this team was not as the Edmonton Oilers were not as good as everyone expected at the beginning of the season. Everyone was talking about the Oilers how great they were going to be with the new additions. I do. I never thought they were as good as that. But I also did not think they were as bad as a lot of people have said over the last little while. I think they're somewhere in between. They will be a third to fifth place hockey club, I believe, in this division. They should be a playoff hockey club. It comes down to them getting quality goaltending and tonight they did get that all right we'll go to brandon on the line as well as the oilers win 4-3 in overtime hey brandon thanks for calling go ahead how you guys doing good so two things number one um as a what do you with the yesi pooley rv like he's obviously getting opportunities and i feel like it's right there do you think um, maybe he's gripping the stick too hard because he's nervous or kind of getting frustrated? Like, I know his positivity seems really good, but that has to weigh on you. And if he does score or when he scores, does that open the floodgate for him? I think I think there's nerves. I think when you're, when you're an offensive player and the puck isn't going in the net for you, it's frustrating. And every night you go home from the game and it, it's the only thing you think about until the next time you play the game. The... One of the things, so I think two things are going on when, when Jesse's got the puck on his stick. One, there's the, he wants to make the right play. He wants to, he wants to create. He wants to do something good. So I think that's there. So yes, he's gripping the stick too long or too, too hard. The other thing is the game is faster than he's played in the last couple of years. The NHL is so much faster. The, the, the Finnish league he was in was, is well below the American Hockey League, talent-wise. So he doesn't have as much time to think over here. And the Yessi's strengths are all his physical tools. Yessi's um, thing that he has to get over is the mental part of it, of, of thinking the game quicker. And I think that and the fact that he's nervous has created some of the... The, the mistakes that he's made with the puck on his stick. Will, if he scores a goal, will that calm him down a bit? Yes, but he still doesn't process the game as quick as he needs to when you're playing with Connor McDavid. Because Connor McDavid thinks three steps ahead of anyone else, and he does it at Mach 1. Yeah, so, and Nuge thinks the game Nuge, extremely Nuge thinks well it, yes. too. So. so he's playing with two very, very smart players. That's why when, when Yessi is doing the just little simple things like driving the net and creating havoc by getting in and using his big frame, he becomes effective that way. I don't see Yessi being the playmaker that he probably had thought and hoped that he would become. Right. I see him being more of a, a Cassian-type player, how Wood Cassian was Without successful. Without the mean streak. Without the mean streak and with more talent. 
because he's got more God-given. Like, sure. Yes, he's got talent. But uh, the one thing that I've noticed with Yessi so far, every game there is a pass that he makes that's either four feet in the air when it hits the guy that he's passing it to, or the, today he had one. He had, I think it was... I think it was Nuge White, I'm not sure, but the pass he made had to have been 105 miles an hour. I mean, it, ex- it needed to be about 55. Yeah, it exploded off yeah. of like the oil. Like uh, seriously, that's the pass you gave me. So to me, I just think he's the the game goes faster than he thinks sometimes, and I, I think he just has to slow his game down and just think in straight lines and think think simple, and then he can be an effective player. Yeah, and again, there was a play tonight. He. He might have been able to have a breakaway, but the puck kind of skittered off his stick. Now, to his credit, he stayed with it, and his forechecking is is way better than it was before. Yes, it is. He's moving his feet. You can almost see him sometimes thinking, okay, yeah, no, I got to get there. I can't fish for this one. So so that's that's been good. There's a lot of positives. But I I didn't mind how he was was used tonight. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we know the Oilers' fourth line will not play a ton, as most fourth lines don't. But I think you wanted to get Archibald out there today. You wanted to get Ennis out there today. So you either put McDavid with them, with those two guys and give Shore or Kara whoever a break, or you rotate Archibald, Cassie, and even Ennis. Yep. Well, as the yeah, game as, as the game, right. game gets later, you don't rotate the four that way anymore. Now you just, okay, who's our top nine? Let's go with their top nine. And that's what Dave Tippett did. So it uh, there's a lot of positives about Yessi, but I, I think that there was... A lot of people that thought, you know what, he's here. He's arrived. He's still a work in progress. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and there's nothing wrong with that because there's there's great strides that have been made already. Oilers win 4-3 in overtime as we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. Thanks to uh, Brandon for that call, by the way. Avalanche beat the Wild 5-1 after 2. St. Louis up 4-1 in Anaheim. Late in the first, it's 2-1. The Canucks leading the Jets. Sabres beat the Devils 4-3 in a shootout. Penguins knock off the Rangers 5-4 in overtime. Crosby gets the game winner. Flyers 3-2 in overtime against the Islanders. Lawton with the game winner. Capitals beat the Bruins 4-3 in overtime. Ovechkin with the game winner. Hurricanes beat the Stars 4-1. Lightning over the Predators 4-3. Panthers beat the Red Wings 3-2 in overtime. And the Flames hand the Canadians their first regulation time loss. Markstrom the shutout. Goudreau and Backlund the goal scorers. 2-0 Calgary wins in Montreal. So pretty cool. McDavid, Crosby and Ovechkin all get overtime winners tonight. 780-496-0063. We have Robert standing by. Hey, Robert, go ahead. Uh, hey, guys, how you doing? Quite well. Well, you know, I have a, you know, I have a, I have a bit of a theory when it comes to when it comes to Koskinen and these and these first ten games, and he's and he's he's our only goalie. And I'm kind of wondering if you guys agree with this or not. But my theory is Koskinen. Yeah, he's four and six. We're four and six, but I kind of look at that um, positive glass half full in the sense that I think Koskinen has has kept our heads above water. Agree or disagree? And then and then I have a couple of, and then I have a couple other points on top of that. But I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, Koskinen's been fine. Uh, I think this is the first game that he actually has helped the Oilers win a game. I think with the, the, this was his best game as an Oiler in, in a long, long time. Uh, He's been okay. I, I I mean, if you look at his goals against average and his save percentage, not good enough to be a, a playoff hockey club. 
so they uh, he's been overused but that's not his fault that's the the fact that the others have no one else to put in there so Koskinen's been okay yeah yeah okay so yeah that's uh yeah I think that's it I think that's a bit of a I think that's a fair assessment now now I think now I, I want to touch a little bit on McDavid I mean that goal I mean what can you say besides wow I mean he, he's McDavid that's just you know that's just what he does but I mean but but I mean I mean you do it I mean you know they do like to see like see like Barry Barry has the puck there he drops it back and uh, and, it's, and it's like the second McDavid gets it and he starts coming with speed you could all you can almost you could almost almost read the leaf players there like uh-oh we're in trouble so yeah I mean like that's just I mean like that's just that's just all world skill by McDavid now my other point is with uh, Bear being injured, I know you guys touched touched on this earlier. Does Bouchard play? Does he not? I kind of think I kind of think against against a team like Ottawa, I, I think that would be that would be the best chance to get him in and you know uh, get him some minutes and see how he does because it's maybe not as much pressure if you're playing against a weaker team. But uh, I don't think you know, I I think Russell will play. That's, yeah. that's my guess. Um, they are a weaker team, but it's also a must-win. Bouchard hasn't played in in quite a while. Uh, I on the depth chart, Russell is ahead of Bouchard on the depth chart. We've seen that obviously since Russell's been in the lineup this year and Bouchard hasn't. But I I don't know. The one advantage that Bouchard has over Russell would be Bouchard is a right-handed shot, um, and. Uh, Bear, the guy that's out, is going if he's out, we don't know that, is a right-handed shot. But the problem for the Oilers is it's a first-pairing defenseman that's out. So someone's got to move up and play in your first pairing. So Bouchard can't do that. He would have to play in your third pairing. And is Barry, do you want him in your first pairing? Five-on-five five is not his strength. Russell is an easier, you throw him on the right side, he's a guy that has played top four minutes. So it, it, it's it's tough. I mean, when you lose someone is important, and again, we don't know if he's out. Uh, it's a tough move. Or it's a tough call for the coaching staff. I believe it'll be Russell, but uh, they they're not going. I haven't had a phone call or a text from the coaching staff asking my opinion <laughs> in 14 years. They haven't asked my opinion, so I'm guessing this is just pure speculation on my side. Cletus writes into the text line. He says, "I haven't seen action like this since I played my last checker game." Well, Cletus, hey, I'm a big fan of checkers. Seriously, I want to play against Cletus. I, me and my son played a lot of that at Christmas. Luke says, wondering your opinion on James Neal. He has looked slow the past few games. Seems like he can't keep up. He should have got the puck out on the Nylander goal. Do you think he should be pulled for someone quicker like Nygaard or Kara? Well, Neal's looked <laughs> not fast, to be polite, <laughs> for the last couple of years. I mean, skating is, isn't his strength. Um, Luke, I've said this about Nygaard before. He's fast, but once he gets there, I don't feel like anything happens. In my mind, Kara has, quite frankly, run out of chances for me, though I'm sure he'll play again. I think Neil's in there in case they want him net front on the power play. He still has hands, and he does play... I was watching him behind the play tonight. He, he still plays with a little bit of gamesmanship. Yep. I mean, a little bit, little cross check, little professional interference, mm-hmm. elbow to a guy's, you know, rib cage or whatever. He's so got I think, swagger. I think that's why he's in there. I think so. Swagger, confidence. He, he's, as I said before, this the Oilers start. It, they're a quiet team, and Neil is a loud personality, and I think he helps this team. Just with on the bench in the dressing room, I think he'll be in. I didn't notice him as much tonight which is, I don't know if that's good or bad, 
but I think Neil will be in the lineup. The problem with Garrett, and I've been reading a lot about it too, is the Oilers have, don't have good penalty killing. And they gave up one tonight and should have given up two uh, on the game. And I and I didn't know the stats, but Kara apparently is one of the best penalty killers for the Oilers. Is his five-on-five play overshadowed by what he can do penalty killing? Or is it, okay, if you're not giving us anything five-on-five, we'll find someone else and teach him how to penalty kill. And I think that's what's up to Dave Tippett. Did you notice, and because I, I told Bob and Jack during a commercial, and then Bob checked with one of his sources, and mm-hmm. apparently he's done this before. Devin Shore, who's a left shot, took a couple of face-offs right-handed when the play was to Koskinen's right. So it was more of a strong yeah. side. So apparently he can flip it around and the, take face-offs that way. What was the guy? He lost them both, however. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe he should have just shouldn't. taken them normally. Uh, the, the player that I that used to do that was, I think his name was Paul Gostad. And he used to always do that. Oh, right. Yeah. And, he, and he, he was good at it. He could, But he was a big, strong man that he'd just flip his stick and go either way. I didn't know that Shore did that. The one thing I did notice tonight, uh, Cahoon came in and took some draws tonight. And, so, and he was doing well at it that late in the game, uh, Leon Dreisaitl moved out and let Cahoon take a face-off yeah. on purpose to, because Cahoon had success. Four for five. Yeah. So there's Leon was 12 for 24. He takes a ton. <laughs> he does take a ton. Well, he, he comes out in all big moments, in all big plays, and all if they need a face-off one, he's their best bet. And uh, he's a workout, workhorse for the It's funny, though. I, I, I love uh, when a team is on a power play, it is amazing how much better their centerman gets. Because he could lose a face-off <laughs> anywhere else. But if I win this draw, we have it in the offensive zone. And it seems like Leon and and we've seen Tavares and Matthews, anytime they have an offensive power play face-off, they seem to win those ones. By the way, McDavid, really good night in the face-off circle. Won 13 out of 18 for 72%. The Oilers as a team tonight were 58%. Okay, Jason, we got to call a timeout, but we're going to finish the play with you and get your thought or your question when we get back. Oilers win an exciting one, 4-3 in overtime this is Hartland Ford overtime open line. McDavid scores two, including the overtime winner. Edmonton four, Toronto three is your final tonight at Rogers Place. Dominic Cahoon gets his first of the season. You'll hear from him later on. Right now we go to Jason, who's also our finish the play contested tonight. So, Jason, just for playing, you're going to get a Hungry Herd premium sampler box. Top quality meats delivered right to your door at everyday low prices, Alberta owned and operated. But before we get to that, what's on your mind, man? Hey guys, how's it going tonight? Good. Hey, I'm, I'm happy that we're starting to grind this out because really we're we're still being relevant with how things are actually progressing with the season, and that's at least a positive. We start to break down the first portion of the season. But the question I have is, we all talk about the goaltending really at the end of the day, but for me, when I think about it, one to two years, even three years out, I think the defense is the bigger challenge. We kind of we need a full team effort on the on the back end just to actually be relevant and actually be competitive. But, yes, we have Broberg and Bouchard coming. But, th- to me, there's a gap in there. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Oh, man, you're really thinking ahead. Yeah, well, I think Broberg and Bouchard are, are promising pro- prospects. I suppose Jones and Bear um, keep aging. Um, you, know, you don't know what's going to happen with Barry. Clefbaum, I mean, who knows? He may never play hockey again, or maybe he comes back. I would imagine, yeah, three or four years from now, you wouldn't think Larson or uh, Chris Russell would be on the team. Who am I missing? 
I mean, Lagason, if he's around that long, he's a depth defenseman. Yeah, fair, fair nurse. comment. But nurse. oh, nurse, sorry, yeah. yeah, nurse. He'll be a he'll be a mainstay here for a number of years. I, I mean, I I don't know. I it, it's funny. Everyone talks about the prospects Broberg and and Bouchard, but I've never seen them play. So I mean, they're supposed to be good. Well, we saw Bouchard a little bit. A little bit, but I've seen Broberg in camp and World Juniors, but I mean, yeah, I, uh, play, younger players are coming in and playing. Uh, quality minutes across the league at a younger age. Defenseman, you see what Quinn Hughes has done in Vancouver. Yeah, the McCarr Oilers don't have done. a Hughes or a McCarr no. or a Heiskanen or anybody like that right now. No, but I, I mean, I, I don't think anyone's really worried about three years in the future or four years in the future anyways right now when you got Connor McDavid well, and Jason Leon Dreisaitl. Is. Yeah, but when you've got these two, <laughs> uh, this is a team that needs to win now. And I mean, this is... Uh, you've got, the, you know, guys that are one-two in the NHL and scoring, and you got the, they both won MVPs. You're not thinking, hey, how can we be better four years from now? I mean, they, this they've got to do it now. And if there's young players that can step in the lineup and help them, they'll they'll have those players in it. But I mean, there's so much that can happen between now and next year. You don't know who's going to be traded out there. You don't know who's going to be a free agent. Yeah, things like that. So there's. And again, you don't know if Oscar Clefbaum is going to wake yep. up one morning and say, I'm retiring, or yep. if he's going to get surgery and come back with uh, a bionic shoulder that's in perfect condition in in uh, in September. The problem with, with Clefbaum and what's happening there, it, it, the longer he waits to have surgery is the longer well, yeah. he is, we'll ever get him back. Okay, Jason, we're going to finish the play. Angie, what do you have for a clue? He's ready. Left-handed shot. Pulls up at center. And now walks across the blue line. Between circles. In on net. Rister. And that might have grazed Anderson, but he might have pushed it wide. He thought and he, no goal. He thought he had him. He's All right. bad. He missed that is his Tyler Ennis attempting a penalty shot. It's the second of his career, Jason. He scored in March of 2014 against Carolina. Against what goaltender who is from the Edmonton area and once defeated the Oilers in a very significant playoff series? Oh, of course. You guys have to use Cam Ward. It is indeed <laughs> Cam Ward. So your name's going into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 gift certificate to Visions Electronics, courtesy PF Custom Countertops. Support local with a PF renovation. Get started at pfcustomcountertops.com. We will bring you the news and the weather. The Oilers win 4-3. Then we shall return for more Heartland Ford overtime open line. Now it's McDavid and Drysaddle starting up ice. Drysaddle with Hall back. He centers tipped home. Connor McDavid wins the game for Edmonton. 4-3 in overtime. 42 seconds into the extra session. The Oilers' first overtime game of the year. They win it 4-3 against the Leafs. McDavid from Dreisaitl and Barry McDavid with two tonight. He's up to seven on the season. Cahoon got his first. Archibald got his second. Tyson Barry had two assists tonight. Other notes for the Oilers. We talked about some of the face-off numbers. McDavid played 23-54. Nurse played 27-49. Barry had five shots on goal. That was the uh, leader for the Oilers tonight. Blocked shots. Not a ton of blocked shots in this game. Nurse blocked three for the Oilers to lead the team. So Edmonton's record goes to four and six on the season. Both teams were one for two on the power play. Oilers uh, finally killed off a Leafs power play in the third, in large part thanks to an awesome save by Miko Koskinen. 780-496-0063. We have Zach standing by. Zach, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. 
thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to mention two things. The first is regarding uh, penalties that were taken tonight. Um, Drys Idol took a penalty, of course, that allowed the third Toronto goal and seems to be the second time in the last few games that he's taken a penalty at a key moment in the game. And then, of course, Yamamoto took a penalty subsequent to that uh, in the offensive zone that was killed and almost allowed Toronto to win or could have possibly allowed Toronto to win. The second thing I wanted to discuss was the Oilers' power play. And um, a lot of the broadcasters keep repeating the statistic that the Oilers' power play was the fourth best in NHL history since 77-78 and that it was better than the Oilers' uh, power play in 82-83. And they're basing that on the Oilers' power play percentage, which last season was uh, 29.5. Um, in that they scored 59 goals on 200 opportunities. But the problem with uh, what their claim, the broadcasters claim in this situation is that it's not uh, uh, including the Oilers' 10 goals that they allowed while on the power play. Um, the statistic that they should be actually citing is the net power play percentage, which for last season was 24%. So in 82-83, the Oilers scored 86 goals on 294 opportunities and allowed six shorthanded goals, which means their net power play percentage was 27.2%. So that power play was actually significantly better than the Oilers' power play of last season. Yes, but the last year's team played 71 games. The team in 82-83 played 80. So there would have been more goals scored by the team last year if they got 11 more games. Right, but they but they allowed less. Yeah, but they that's scored, not, But you don't know what the final differential would have been through 80 games for a direct comparison. Well, the Oilers would have. Uh, well, on average, they would have allowed more than 10 goals. No, maybe they wouldn't allowed any more shorthanded goals against. The, the way the power plays it goes, it, it's based I'm on how many cheeky, goals. You... I'm being cheeky with you, Zach, because I'm one of those broadcasters, and I'm kind of using your own logic against you. You well, can spin no, those. You can spin those facts. You can spin those facts however you want. The, it goes by percentage of times you're on the ice. Your team scores. That's what it's based on. Yes, power it, play percentage. They, based they on, were fourth best that's in the not league the history. Stat. But that's that, not the stat. That's how the that's NHL. Not, yes, it is. That's that the stat. It's that's power how they play do percentage. It. Look on their website. It's called net power play percentage. It's in the column right beside power play percentage. Okay, that's a separate column. That's a different but, thing. But the column that that is being used so, to determine the the overall power okay, play. But if you sort if you sort the power play per, uh, performance by net power play percentage. But that's not what we're talking about, though. Power, the top five power plays are from the dynasty. But that's all Canadians, the dynasty, New York Islanders and the dynasty Oilers. Yeah, but that's not what they're yeah, quoting, But that's not though. the stat that as, as one of the broadcasters who uses that stat, that's not the stat I've been quoting. Know, I've been quoting power play percentage. The broadcasters don't understand the stat. Well, yes, no, we, I do understand the stat. I just don't use it. Don't tell me what I understand or don't understand and call in and make it sound like I don't know what I'm talking about because I do. You're using a different stat. Fine. That's not the stat I'm using. The percentage wise Percentage-wise, and that's what they've said. The goals that count that were scored on you count. No, yeah, but they don't count in your percentage of times you score when you're on the power play. That's the whole. The, I know what re, the, the. I know stat what he's is, saying. It's so net power I, play goes. If, if allowing a shorthanded goal is bad, yes, it that's is. not the stat that's, that is used to determine the best power plays of all time. The reason that I'm mentioning this is because. Last season, the Oilers' power play 
is, was not as good as those statistics would indicate. Because you, it basically, it was still a great. Okay, hey, where did it rank then? Where did it, where did it, where did it rank in the stat you're referring to? It was 19th since okay. 77, 78. How many times did the, when the Oilers had the power play last year, percentage-wise, how many times did they score? Uh, you want their no, nope, no, no, no. I, no, I said I'm asking we you a know question. What it is. It's 29 and a half. Uh, that's what I'm asking. So percentage of the time they scored when they were on the power play. Well, it's 29 and a half. And that is and then that is how that is how when you go on the NHL website when they or they rank power plays when they go first down, do they not go by the percentage of times they score on the power play? Is that no, not what they go? You can choose. You can choose on their when, website if you look at power play percentage or net power play. Okay, percentage. and so when Reed says <laughs> they have the best percentage, he doesn't say the best net percentage. He says the best percentage right. is what Reed says. And what Bob says and what Jack says. So that's, they are correct right. in saying so that. I'm saying that, that a more accurate measure in is your opinion in your opinion. Percentage. In your opinion. Okay, but also let me ask you this, Zach. If if you're since 1977, that's uh, 43 or 44 seasons times at least 21 teams per season. Mm-hmm. So if you're 19th, are you still not one of the best power plays of all time in that it's range? Still, it's a good power play. I would think but, it's better uh, than good. But I had one more point about that, uh-huh. and that was uh, one reason about why it's a statistical outlier. And one of the reasons is because James Neal scored 12 goals on that power play last season. Uh-huh. And McDavid only scored 11. So I think that de- the decision that you have to make is, it, or you know, if you're evaluating that power play from last season, is do you believe that James Neal can repeat that type of performance. Well, what, but what does that no. have to do with last year's power play, though? Because you're trying to assess if it's just an outlier, like well, if it's an outlier performance, or if that power play was really one of the top Well, yeah, but it doesn't... It does, well, no, it doesn't matter. Years. It doesn't matter. But they, the did, year they, they did do it. They like, did do it, so it's not an outlier. If, if, I, like, if I hit a hole in one... I might be a terrible golfer for my career, but for that hole on that day, I get credit for an ace. So the Oilers should get credit for what they accomplished last year, because regardless they, of whether or not you know they why do they should again. get credit for it because they accomplished it. Like, are you just saying well, they're I'm not, not going to do it again? An outlier means. Oh, I know what an outlier means. How good the power play but in a, in it's a, be this season? Should the power no, we're not. No one's saying reach twenty nine percent. No one said it's going to reach twenty nine percent. I have. I haven't. I haven't said I've, that. I've said it's going to be just as good. Zach, I'm on the record saying that several okay. times. If you listen to my show, and if I'm wrong, you can call I me at the end of the year. I you guys all the time. I you, James Neal might James Neal might get 14 goals this year on the power play. Who knows? I yeah, mean, you can't so, you can't say what he can and can't do. Uh, no, but I'm just saying, what is the bet that you want to take? You know, if you're the coach, you know, or why in the first nine games when James Neal was mostly not on the power play for various reasons he was injured and so on can you expect that power play to produce at the rate that it did last season yes because i don't think yes yes because i don't think james neal is a big part of that success of why they were so good last year the reason they were so good last year is because of mcdavid drysdale and nugent hopkins so i think you could put a number of different players in front of the net and still have the same kind of success i think james neal was very good and he's one of those guys that you can put out there. But the success of the power play isn't James Neal. It isn't Alex Chason. It isn't Yamamoto. Their power play 
when they are good is be based on three players. And there's other guys that can play in vital, vital roles to that, but they can be interchanged, as we see all the time. They always change the guy in front. The three main guys are always going to be out there because they are the heart and soul and, and the talent on the PP. Zach, this was the this was the most fun call we've had all season, so thank you for calling, okay? <laughs> that was good. That was really good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm serious. I like when people have different stuff like that. Yeah. I just think they what they did last year counts. Well, it does because it. They I understand it. what he's saying. Like it's like if you scored on every single power play, but you gave up a shorthanded goal on every single power play before you scored. Ultimately, that wouldn't be the best power play. Good, but well, you'd still have a hundred percent power play. Yeah, but when you say you wouldn't be an advantage in the game. Well, no, no, you try not to get scored on. I think that's a key part of it. I mean, even so, if it's the 19th best net power play in the last 43 years, like it's, I still consider that one of the best power plays in league. Well, history. that would that would be great. I, I, I'm not fast enough to add up what 43 times how many teams have been in the league in that time, but I think it's a lot. I would need a calculator. Uh, oh, I got it here. Uh, 1,109. So you came. So 19. out of 1,009 individual team seasons oh, for net power play, the Oilers were 19th. That's that would, good. That would be considered great. Yeah. All right. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll take a time out. Dominic Cahoon next. Dry settle. Lumbers down the right hand side. Centers open. Shot Cahoon. Score. Top shelf. And Dominic Cahoon needed that. Dominic Cahoon's first as an Oiler. It opened the scoring tonight. Oilers go on to win four three in overtime. Courtesy Mattress Superstore. Here's Cahoon. Dominic, we talked to you a couple of days ago and you said you wanted to contribute a little bit more offensively. How nice is it to get your first as an Edmonton Oiler? Yeah, it's very nice for sure. Uh, it's a relief a little bit, you know, because I think since I said that, uh, we start playing really good. Like in the Ozone, we had so many chances and yeah, I finally got rewarded for that. So yeah, I'm very happy. Dominic, can you speak on the level of urgency and desperation you guys displayed? Because it seemed like right from the opening puck drop, you guys were ready to go. Yeah, we told each other that uh, today we have to win for sure. Um, and I think you, you could see that on the ice. Like we were battling 60, 60 minutes and a little bit in the OT. But I think it was uh, one of our best games. You know, we were desperate everywhere. We we, we battled hard in the D zone and uh, we got offense. So uh, we just have to keep going like that and uh, we'll be fine. Mark Spector, Sportsnet. Kind of funny, you've had a lot of really good, clean looks and hard shots that didn't go in. And tonight, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought you fanned on your first shot, and then the second one goes in. It's not always the best chance that scores, I guess, when you're a shooter, huh? No, uh, for sure not. Um, you know, I had, I, had, I had good chances, like you said, and they, they didn't go in. So I was just thinking, like, maybe I just need, like, uh, like another nice goal. And, you know, I, I tried to shoot, and uh, I really fanned on it, so it was a good fake. Uh, and I, I watched the goal again, and maybe if I, I would hit the first shot, uh, D would get his stick on it. So and maybe it just should have been like that, and I'm, I'm happy for it. Hey, you need a break once in a while, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dominic Cahoon, yeah, he needed that one. Just updating a couple of games still in progress. Blues lead the Ducks 6-1 late in the third period, halfway through the second. It is the Canucks up 3-1 on 
the Jets. Edmonton wins tonight 4-3 over Toronto McDavid with two, including an absolutely mind-bending goal in the second period. Plus, he got the overtime winner. Rob, we're going to be back at it tomorrow. Senators, who actually have had a couple of days without playing, they are here 7 o'clock tomorrow. Yeah, they're a team that everyone in the National Hockey League has beaten, so if you don't beat them, you fall a little bit behind the curve. Uh, I have not watched a whole lot of their hockey. I've seen the stats afterwards. They, they're not being outplayed badly. They're just not getting any goaltending. So the Oilers can't come in, take it easy on, or take it, think this is going to be an easy night. They need these wins. They win these two games against Ottawa. They're back to 6-6. Six and six. I'm watching the Canucks right now. They won three straight against the Ottawa Senators to turn their season around. The Oilers, hopefully, with the win tonight and a couple against Ottawa, can do the same. Get more on this game on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Thanks to Troy Bowler our engineer here at Rogers Place, and Angie Quinnell, our studio operator, back at 6.30, Chet. 5.30 face-off show tomorrow, game at 7, Oilers and Senators. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Good night! 6.30, Chet, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30, Chet.